to NURFM. It is time to talk travel and Sally Lucas joins me, Jane Klein. And today, Sally, we're taking a look at one of the airlines. Something different's happening? Something good, actually, Jane. Etihad Airways is introducing airport welcome packages for passengers. Now, it's the national airline of the United Arab Emirates that flies into Abu Dhabi and it's launched a meet and greet service for guests arriving at Abu Dhabi Airport on Etihad flights. You can book the service up to 48 hours before travel and it's designed to make quick and easy um, availability to collect luggage and pass through the Abu Dhabi Immigration and Customs. So um, a personal welcome on arrival with one staff member for every one to five guests and they fast track you through immigration and assist with baggage collection as well. So the cost for this package is US dollars 38 per person and that's what they call the silver package. And then they've also got a gold package which has all the components of the silver but with a staff member for every guest as well as a complimentary personal porter to collect and transport your baggage through the airport to curbside and that's US 65 per person. So I think that's a good idea. Like some people are a bit, you know, overawed and phased arriving in a new country with a different language and especially elderly people or slightly infirm. So I think that's a nice thing that they're offering, to, you know. To so it's, it's part of the user pays type approach yes. to airlines but it is something that might make it really worthwhile. I think so, definitely. And they're a very good airline to fly with. Of course, all their aircraft are relatively new. Um, always get great feedback from people that have travelled on Etihad. And I can't remember, Jane, whether I did mention that they've also got a new code share with Air France now as well, just to mention that again. So you've got that ongoing connection. They, they fly into Europe themselves, but of course now being with the KLM Air France, who under one banner, we, you've really got three airlines. You, you could choose from all the multitude of destinations into Europe now. So that is something really good. Mm. And we're heading to the Antarctic now, are we? Oh, yes. Someone said to me, are you going back to the Antarctic? I said, oh, I wish I was. No, I'm just getting some news ready for the program, that's all. <laughs> anyway, Aurora Expeditions have announced that they've got their 2014-15 program out already, their dates, if you're wanting to go. There are some limited vacancies, so if you can't wait that long to go at the end of this year as well, even the um, New Year one has got a few vacancies on it. Um, so, yes, what they're doing is it's, they're adding what they call an addition to um, their Antarctic program of the Chile Antarctic Gateway. Now, it's a place called Puerto Williams, and it's nestled underneath the Dientes de Navarino Mountains on the Chilean side of the Beagle Channel, and it's only about 50 k's from Ushuaia, which is where they go from now. So, yeah, they're doing this because they feel that it's a wonderful little um, village and quite interesting, and of course it's part of the uh, UNESCO Cape Horn Biosphere Reserve there as well, which hosts the world's southernmost forest ecosystems and culture. And um, so, yeah, and it also protects 5% of the world's what they call bryophyte diversity, and apparently bryophytes are mosses and liverworts, which they... Even when you're down the Antarctic, you know, they say if there's one tiny little speck of something, don't stand on it, you know, avoid it. It takes years in these cold climates for something to even, you know, like a bit of moss or lichen to, to grow. So that's an interesting thing, I thought, Jane. That and, you know, I think uh, Puerto Williams is, in fact, the southernmost settlement in the world. Yes, I always thought it was Ushuaia. They always say that was the end of the world, but uh, whether it is it's or whether it's... It's more of a town, perhaps. Yeah, maybe, but, I mean, and you can also do a scenic flight there, apparently, over the Navarino Mountains as well, and you can make your way there on to Punta Arena 
Venice as well in Chile. Uh, also, they're offering some more of their popular fly sail itineraries again. So for people that don't want to do the, the Drake Passage or only want to do it once, you can have that option of some of their departures of the fly sail. And, of course, most of their departures have the optional activities of kayaking, and they do have special departures, you know, for ice climbing and photography as well. A, a fabulous thing to do if it is on your bucket list, and, you know, it's not as expensive as it used to be. Admittedly, the US dollar isn't doing as many favours at the moment, and nearly all these vessels do price their product in US dollars, so keep that in mind when you're looking up prices. But I still think it's something that, oh, I don't know, it's just it's just so special. It is very special, isn't it? And there's some wonderful wildlife that you do oh. see, you can't avoid seeing. No, isn't it fabulous? And, I mean, you can get some of the rarer blue whales, you know, the large whales, of course, as we all know. I mean, just watching the penguins, you could watch them go through the water. They call them porpoising penguins is the way they sort of fly up out of the water and dive in, and they duck diving like almost, isn't it? They sort of are airborne for a little while and in again and off they go. And the way they walk, of course, the waddling. And they love uh, straight lines, the penguins, when they go to their rookeries. You know, they're all marching up the hill and the others are marching down the other way and no one dare do the other thing or they get into a lot of trouble. You they're know. very structured, actually, in their society, yes, I think. Yes, and all oh, the different yeah, types of seals you see down there, you know, from crab eaters to... Beautiful seals, leopard seals, and leopard seals oh, elephants, oh, hmm. you know, and all the different types of penguins and all the, the actual bird life, like the albatrosses and the skewers. And yeah, so it, it really is a nature on a stick, it really is a fabulous place to go. To NURFM's Talking Travel and Sally Lucas with me, Jane Klein and Sally. You do have a rather soft spot for France, don't you? I certainly do. And what made me talk about this a little bit today, we've had the Tour de France happening, of course, and yes, I I know people over there that have just experienced, you know, there for the end of the race, and uh, one of the little... um, Facebook messages I got from the Muller away was how they were overawed by Mont Saint-Michel. So I thought, well, why not talk about Mont Saint-Michel? And uh, they were blown away by lots of other things also. But, I mean, it is quite unique and it's sort of surrounded by, I guess, water when the tides are high and, and sand, but it's quite treacherous, almost like quicksand. So they always say, if you do go there, make sure you go on the causeway. Don't even try, even if it, though it might look like there's no water. People have been caught, you know, with the tide, and it's a, a massive tidal area, a tidal basin, I guess. But it's an international place of pilgrimage as well as a major tourist centre. And the different stages of its construction have created a unique architectural ensemble which was classified as a World Heritage Site by UNESCO in 1979. Now it's believed that Aubert, who was the Bishop of Davranche, founded a sanctuary on what was called Montome after three successive appearances by the Archangel Michael. Consecrated in 709, the church has attracted both the curious and pilgrims from all over the world ever since. Now, it was turned into a prison from the time of the French Revolution up until the time of the Second Empire, and then the Abbey became the responsibility of the Historical Monuments Department in 1874. Since 1969, the Abbey has been home to a monastic community which is ensuring the continuation of a spiritual presence at at the Mont Saint-Michel. It's rightly called a wonder of the Western world, and as I said, it's surrounded by this magnificent bay, which, of course, has these, they say, the greatest tidal ranges in Europe. So you've got to realise that. And it's situated between the the Point of Gruin in Brittany and the Point of Champeau in Normandy. It's probably about a four-hour drive from Paris, roughly, I would say, to get there. And there's huge car parks, but you've still got to walk, or they do run a shuttle bus uh, from the car park. It's usually in 
included on most of the tours that would do northern France would include Mont Saint-Michel or you could include it yourself on a driving holiday if you're coming up through the Loire Valley and go up through the Normandy, Brittany and then across to Paris that way it would be a lovely thing to do. So, yeah, I just thought it's a, it's a beautiful place. Every time you see a photo of it, you know, perched up there high with all this either sand or water around it, it just looks quite stunning and quite beautiful. Very spectacular view. It is. Um, Giverny, another lovely place I thought we'd mention, which is quite close to Paris, actually. Um, you can get there by train, and it's sited on the right bank of the Seine. And, of course, it's probably known more importantly for the paintings of Claude Monet, who lived there from 1883 to his death in 1926. So um, it sort of relives the days when Claude Monet sorry, took his inspiration from his gardens, of course, which he took great care of. And the changing light was what used to get him with the flowers and, and the light that was at Giverny. So and you've got the Japanese bridge, water lilies, wisteria, azaleas, um, all these fantastic things. And he also, apparently, he did uh, prints and china as well, uh, all sorts of things, Monet, you know, that we may not be aware of. And you've got a Musée des Impressionnismes, Impressionnisme in Giverny, which of course is the art uh, uh, of the Giverny Impressionists, which is there, which would be wonderful to visit as well. And there's an, a hotel there called the Hotel Baudy, B-A-U-D-Y, Baudy probably. Um, in the old days, apparently it was visited by many artists, including Cezanne and Rodin, who came to Giverny in search of inspiration. And it's now a little cafe restaurant with gardens again and lots of varieties of old flowers and so on. So you can go and have a little sit there as well as Monet's garden. Garden. And that's an easy day excursion for you to do out of Paris. So, yeah, something really lovely. Two nice things you should do, I think, if you're in that part of the world. And that's Talking Travel for today. Thank you, that's Sally it. Lucas. Thank you, Jane. And we look forward to Talking Travel again next Friday after the 1 o'clock news on 2NURFM.